So as Kat um, shared with you this morning, as uh, we began our little gathering, uh, we are coming to the end of a marathon series on Colossians. Our series kind of just start and then one day finish. That's kind of our, uh, our plan for the, the time, time frames of them. And we're drawing near the end. Uh, and it's pretty much this week and then next week as well. So this week, we're going to do um, some exorcisms. Um, no, uh, this week we're going to do some, um, um, some, some talking about the ideas and we're going to read through Colossians again. And then next week, we're going to uh, do some like refre- reflective practice um, and have some time and space to kind of think about the things that, have, um, that we've talked about um, and like away from too much talking because we always talk too much and, um, and don't stop and pause and think enough. So next week is going to be a week for stopping and pausing. So we're getting a rod who's considerably, considerably slower than I am to, um, as in kind of depth. Um, he's deeper than I am to, uh, to curate a reflection service. So that'll be really lovely. So uh, at the start of the series, we did this thing here and we got uh, you to stand um, Acknowledging that within our community there are uh, a range of um, gut responses to approaching the Bible. Um, some of our community uh, um, find the Bible as just such an incredible source of life um, and are excited by it. Um, others um, have spent way too long not understanding it and are completely bored by it. Um, others are just mind-blowingly confused and feel like they should read it, but then open it up and then um, start reading about goats and lambs and various things and uh, struggle to work out how it applies to their non-agricultural lives. Um, and others are um, uh, all too familiar with um, some of the violence in the text, and um, it makes them incredibly anxious. And so we're just acknowledging that within our community, there's lots of a diverse range of responses. And then there's people like me um, and many of you who have kind of all of these things in a perfect storm of confusion um, all at once who find Scripture life-giving, um, but are also scared by it, confused by it, and occasionally bored by it. So Hopefully, at the um, start of the series, for those of you who are here, um, you remember where you were standing, um, and and as a community, maybe um, some of you have shifted and shuffled around a little bit. Hopefully, not everyone is just now in the board category. Um, <laughs> it's, po- it's it's possible. I wouldn't put it past us, but um, I'm ho- I'm hoping for more. So, uh, what we did at the start of the series, and what we're going to kind of do today, is we read through the whole book of Colossians together as a community, um, which. Um, brought more of these responses out. Uh, and, and so we recorded down, everyone wrote over the bits of paper, for those of you who are new to this game, um, wrote over um, and scribbled all over the text and wrote down questions and underlined things and pointed out stuff that they would like talked about. And the next three slides are some, um, some of the stuff. You can just, I'm not going to read it out loud. If you're listening on the podcast, stuff you. You should have been here. No, kidding. Um, we'll wipe that bit. If you're listening on the podcast, we welcome you here this morning. You're a valuable part of our community. Um, and then and that's the kind of blank slide to symbolize that um, those of you who don't have any thoughts at all. Is that it? Oh, yeah, there you go. So some of you might be, is God nasty or nice? Like that one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to like we're just going to like race through a whole bunch of selected powerpoints from the series as a memory jogger. Um. If you haven't been here for the series, you're not going to understand anything that gets said today. So, um. Maybe you'd like to hum a tune in your head, like <laughs> for the next 25 minutes, and, um, and, and that'll be beneficial. But um, we aren't going to try and re-explain the entire series. We're just going to do some memory jogging. So here we go. Um, we acknowledge at the start that, uh, that we're listening in on their conversation. Um, we had a lot of responses on the feedback, something along the lines of, um, who does Paul think he is? Um, he can't tell me what to do. And uh, so we thought it was important to identify right at the start that Paul wasn't actually writing to you and I. Uh, <laughs> he's not actually trying to tell you what to do anyway. Uh, we're listening in on someone else's conversation. And that's not that it can't shape us. It's not that 
God might not speak through that. It's just that the original um, recipients, we kind of need to understand their world and what was going on. So we talked about them, us, and me, that we need to understand what it meant to them first, um, then understand what it means to us as a community, and then understand what it might mean for us as individuals after that to kind of like push back against this over-individualized life that we have. Um, next slide, which is one of my favorites. Um, Rod talked about the Kuleshov effect, uh, which is essentially about perspective. Um, again, if you weren't here for this, you're going to have to just go and listen to the podcast on the Kuleshov effect because it's too complex to explain in a very short amount of time. But it's about giving Paul a break. If we think that Paul is a dominant um, authoritarian fascist overlord um, trying to dictate our lives, then um, then we read him quite harshly. If we see Paul, however, as a defender of the weak and the poor and the vulnerable who is trying to subvert um, the Roman Empire, then we might have a lot more grace for his words and understand them a little better. Um, next slide. We saw um, we talked about um, the letter of, of Philemon um, and how it most probably came along with the letter of Colossians. So in the background of um, the entire book of Colossians is this, is this um, real story of a, of a runaway slave um, who has come back to his master. Um, and how he is about to be treated will be hinged on um, how his master responds to this letter. So, in the background is this idea that um, that of equality that um, that a slave should be received as a brother rather than um, being maimed and punished or killed or set free um, and thrown on the on the um, economic scrap heap. And so that frames a lot of the Colossians text. Um, next. Um, that that behind all of the book of Colossians is Paul's love for a particular community. And so much of what he addresses within Colossians is a... Um is trying to break down barriers to equality and unity and community. And so there's this radical subversion, radical um, equality, and radical status um, as shown in that little verse there. Next one. Um, these are the threats to community that that we kind of recognize sitting in the background as well. Um, status, um, a system that justifies violence. Um, legalism, rules that fall short. Gnosticism, secret knowledge that puffs up. Um, and the issue of empire, of who really is Lord of our lives. And so Paul addresses these things throughout this letter um, as, as they threaten to divide and break down this community and stop people from actually loving one another and loving God. Um, next slide. Um, so there's a lot of questions in the feedback forms about rules. Paul going, stop following all these rules. They're pointless. Now start doing this, 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 and this. And that was very confusing to our community. So we talked a little bit about bottom-up spirituality versus top-down spirituality, um, which can be um, summarized in the next slide of uh, earning your place versus living out of your place, uh, that Paul is essentially fighting legalism to try and earn your place uh, and earn increased status and earn your place within the kingdom of God. And Instead, he proposes top-down spirituality, which is, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff we should do not to earn salvation and not to kind of get God's favor, but because of what God's done for us, um, we can live out of that. Um, next couple of slides you kind of had to be here for, but this is what to talk on Gnosticism. <laughs> um, secret knowledge versus an open invitation. Um, that essentially Paul told the story of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus over again. Um, there were a little elite, elite groups within the Colossian community proposing that they had found something secret that no one else found, and they were the end group and everyone else was out. And if we go to the next slide, um, Rod talked a little bit about a centered set, about a community that's focused not on who's in and who's out, but a community that's focused on where Jesus is at the center of our community. Um, and if we keep our eyes on that, um, it'll be much more profitable for us. Um, Frosty, my friend from um, New Zealand, lovely bearded ginger man, um, the ginger beard man, as I call him, um, talks a little bit about um, Paul's ethical framework. Where does Paul, Paul comes up with all these instructions. Where does he get all, how does he come to these conclusions? And so he talked a little bit about um, the ethical framework of shalom or becoming more human. Again, uh, you'll have to listen to that podcast to get the full measure. Then we moved into the last um, section, which was all around empire. So you might recognize these two shapes, um, the triangle, the shape of empire, um, versus the circle, the shape of kingdom and community. Um, next slide. 
Um, so what we kind of tracked is that um, is that for the Colossian community, they lived under the, the Roman Empire, um, but were impacted by the story of the gospel, which gave them the ability and capacity to begin to resist empire and to move into imaginative kingdom living, where they could see a different way, a different way of existing, which was is an incredibly hard thing to do, as we know, um, as we live under our, the empire's of globalization and individualism, um, we know it's incredibly hard to, um, to, to imagine a different way, but that's what God's calling us to. Next slide. Um, this is a little quote from Colossians Remixed, talking about the poem, um, the Christ poem. You can read it yourself because you're very clever. Is that enough time? Cool. <laughs> Turn the page when you hear the chime. Um, Kat talked a little about this this morning, so we can skip past that. Um, we began asking questions about economics. <laughs> Cheaper is better, but for who? Um, then we began asking questions about community. And Rod did the unthinkable and had a go at the community structure in Seinfeld, which is, cat, George. <laughs> if George was the head honchos and Sopranos, that would be a very different structure. Kramer does. Which one? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he does it all. For his, for his. But George is the real one that we're concerned about. Yes, should make George the head of the mafia. Um, <coughs> once again, you have to listen to that talk. Um, next slide. Um, Vainant talked about um, about nationalism um, and a economics of scarcity versus an economics of enough, uh, and the idea of unsettled unsettled land. Um, Steve talked about little Caesars and little Christs. Uh, Beth talked about. Um, Oh, sorry, this was, um, this was Sally talked about um, the empire of patriarchy, a wonderfully squirmish Sunday. Um, Kat talked about um, how we consume media. I don't actually have a slide for that. Whoopsies. Um, so you ma- imagine your own. Um, and then Beth uh, last week talked about, was it last week? Yeah, last week talked about um, imaginative prophetic living, about um, how to envisage uh, a, a, new, a, a totally new way of life that's fueled by the gospel. So that's been our slides. Um, well, that's been some of our slides. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to read through Colossians together again, but rather than burdening you with your own pieces of paper, we've got um, wonderful reader people. And we're going to read in sections again, the same sections as last time. And at the end of each little reading, um, we just want some feedback from, our, um, from you guys about um, what jumps out um, in this section to you now, um, what's changed for you uh, in, um, as we've gone along the Colossian series as you read this section together? Uh, what makes more sense? What's still confusing? Um, what questions does this make you ask and want to do more looking into? Um, yeah, and what do you want to explore more? So I'm going to get our first reader, um, BJ Tumney, to Benjamin Tumney, um, to, come and, to come and read. Um, our first section, so you can you can sit back and relax um, and just steep in these words. Thanks, Shane. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He's Christ's faithful servant, and he's helping us on your behalf. 
He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will honor, will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who are once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault but you must continue to believe in this truth and stand firmly in it don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news the good news was preached all over the world and I Paul have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it thanks a ton all righty so What um, that we might have talked about in the series as a community together um, jumps out about you about that first passage, that first section. What might have shifted or changed? What might be speaking to you? What might you get excited or anxious about? It was a big. It was a big block. I know. But. I can't believe I never read before that Timothy wrote the letter with Paul. So it wasn't just Paul by himself. And I get a bit thingy about what Paul writes. I I don't love him as an author, but somehow knowing that Timothy wrote it as well makes it a lot more palatable. (laughs) An anti-Paulist. Has anyone's perspective on Paul shifted through this series? Um, I never really had an idea of Paul, but I think when I read this, the thing that comes most is, I do for Christ did and God loves, and that's what I feel he's saying, even though he does say a lot of stuff that we should do, we shouldn't do, but it's more seeing it, God loves us, Look, that's the main picture for me when you read it all, so I think in that sense, Paul's, I don't know, he's giving you all these amazing like, it's hard to read them and understand them, but then when you go back and think, well, God did this and he loves me, and as the whole thing is, you don't do it because you have to do it, you do it because God loves you kind of thing. That's really cool. Um, on the next slide, um, I think that, maybe it was the one after, <laughs> wow, it was a long passage, um, it talks there around, um, you know, being reconciled to Christ. Um, and it's just after that long passage where it's kind of subverting the um, the poem that was written about the emperor. So I, I kind of have to remember that that is about an orientation now towards Christ. It's kind of letting them know that, you know, this is not a 
replacing a triangle shape with another triangle, which we might read um, centuries and millennia after um, a whole history of institutionalised church. Um, but that's actually talking to them about an orientation towards Christ, which is that image that um, that Rod had. Yeah. Um, yeah, Beth just pointed out a passage before <laughs> related to... I was telling her on Friday night, just talking to her about how I became a Christian and... Um, I kind of demanded that God show up and reveal himself to me. I wanted this sort of powerful spiritual experience. And, um, yeah, instead sort of – I did have an experience, but it wasn't what I expected. I felt like um, the Holy Spirit just – was like a quiet thought in my mind – just said to me, I'll show myself to you by changing you. And it was the first time that I connected that, yeah, you don't just get to do what you want and have – God reveal himself, that it happens through a process of being changed. And so that um, verse 6, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. So yeah, I just think about how that relates as individuals, but also as communities when we allow God to influence and change the way that we live and our responses. We get to experience more of God in that. That's how we get to know him. It's not necessarily just sitting in solitude, being spiritual. It's actually allowing him to shape our lives. Right. Any final thoughts before we move on to the next much shorter passage? We like Ben's voice so much that we um, gave him the long one. Um. I was just aware, especially in the context of what we just looked at, just aware of how uneasy, um, how increasingly uneasy I I am with the kind of father-son heinous of um, of so much of the Bible, just the the just lack of balance with with gender, and it just I think the great thing about this series and looking at gender and stuff, it just it just underlined for me how important it is for us to um, do all that we can to to counteract an imbalance and to be aware that God is not male um, and that it's that's just something that has to come out all the time in in a community now um, and that if Jesus oh, and I listened to a great feminist theologian the other day talking about Jesus needing to be a man only because um, of the violence that's inherent with masculinity. It had to be a man that died to indicate that that men could be other. Um, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it's a beautiful idea. <laughs> whether that's true or not, it's not really the point. It's a beautiful idea. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, Emma. Emma. Emma might have fallen asleep. No, she's here. Phew. Do you have a copy? Would you like to borrow mine? Would you like to rent mine? 50 cents. Okay, so you're going from um, 2 verse 24. Yeah, to I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to, to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we... Tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. 
I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Thank you. Um, I'm going to share first on this one. Oh, you're right. You can sit down again. Thank you, Emma. Um, I, I, just the more I thought about this community of um, of Colossae gathering in this in this household, um, the, the more I've thought about the just the people who are at the bottom of the bottom of the social pile, hearing the words that Christ lives in them, that um, something of the dignity and grace of God is alive in them in exactly the same way that it is in their social superiors and just how profound and dignifying that must have been um, to a group of people. <laughs> how can I compete with that? Um, to a group of people um, <laughs> um, who, who, who in every area of life had, had, had no rights and no dignity to receive something, a gift as incredible and beautiful as that, which then began to manifest in the way their household got structured. Yeah, that just really stuck with me. So, who from this passage? Good. I just really like that it says, um, uh, understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Because I think I can be really good at being like, cool, God's got a plan, Jesus has got a plan, I'll figure it out. And then once I've figured out what the plan is, I'll be able to action the plan and change lives and my own life and it will be wonderful. And that just sort of makes me go, ah, oh, stop stop it, Catherine, and remember that Christ is the plan and I can I'm invited to live differently as soon as I sort of recognise that. It simplifies it a lot for me. Oh, sorry, you were just waving. Just saying hello. Um, Just thinking about the responsibility that Paul feels for this new community and how scared they must have all been, this new way of living and how he needed to encourage them and just even saying that he hasn't, some of them that he hasn't met yet in person, just how powerful these letters were. Yeah, especially when you're living in a world where there's roads with rows and rows of crosses of people being crucified for opposing Caesar. Yeah, that's how fragile that community was. Cool. Next section. Has anyone's view on Paul changed in this? I suppose hearing this for years as he's growing up, you think that he's high and mighty, but actually he's hugely humble and um, and just, yeah, trying his best. That's what I think. I just also just noticed there that um, in verse 4, the bit about deceiving you with well-crafted arguments, because that's one of the things I'm afraid of as a Christian is well-crafted arguments from other people, that it was happening then as well. That's interesting. <laughs> so it's, not an ar- it's not an argument. It's a conversation. That's what I've realised as well. I think I found um, what Frosty was saying about, um, well, maybe it was you, Shane. I shouldn't give Frosty all the credit. Um, about what is it, um, why is Paul saying what he's saying as a result of his relationship with Christ, as a result of the person of Christ? And that's a really good filter for me to put everything that Paul says through. And I do have grace for him then because I'm asking questions of motivation and intention and that kind of thing. For sure. Right, who is our next reader? Was it Jackie? What's that? Oh, did you know? Oh, you had another section. Wait for it. You did. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, good, good. Uh, so, yeah, you are going from 2 verse 6 and then we'll roll straight into Pete from that. Get ready, Pete. Start your engines. There you go, from 6 to. 
And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptised, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world, So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. You're um, Mr. Pete. Oh, he comes equipped. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in a place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you die to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. You have have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behaviour, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other if you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilised, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Pause for effect. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful.
Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Does anyone have anything to say about this section? I know we can all feel the next one coming already, but... Anything jump out or... Um, I, funny, because when I first read it, I found it really hard, but now when I read it again, it's really exciting. Um, yeah, it's funny because I do struggle with the whole food list of what you shouldn't do, but now I see it as more of a, I don't know, like not what you shouldn't do, but encouraging you to be something better because, again, God loves us. And it's it's funny how much I've changed now reading that. I, I get really excited about it. And even the next bit, Wives Submit to Your Husbands, again, I found that hard, <laughs> especially as I'm about to get married. But... <laughs> <laughs> It's it's able to see it in a different light and see it as something exciting, not as a commandment and a condemning thing that you have to do, but rather, well, how exciting is that, that I get to submit to my husband and I can show him God's love through what I do, rather than it as like a way of being put in chains, saying, oh, you have to do this. So that's really cool. Right. Cookie. I feel kind of bad for having this opinion, but I still feel like with this whole thing, because I wasn't there at the time and I don't know the context of it, it just seems like a bunch of words. Like, I'm like, I don't, I do not understand what this would have meant to them. Like, I've tried with the context we've had and it's been really helpful, but I still, it just washes over me as like, ugh. I could kind of umbrella that and use it as a, you know, overarching principle for my life, but I don't, yeah, it doesn't do it for me, <laughs> and I feel bad about it. Don't, <laughs> says Paul. <laughs> Anyone else share that? Just with nods? Mm-hmm. Next section, we've got Jackie to read this because this is one of her hobby horses. Hmm, my favourite passage. <laughs> I was going to do a gender flip on this, the Jackie version, but I'm just going to remember that Paul wrote this to the Colossians, not to us, so we don't have to do it. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favourites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Tychicus will give you a full report about how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. 
I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, a member of of your own fellowship and servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting. Paul, remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. Thanks. Any commentary on that section? Just two quick facetious comments. Um, First, I didn't realise that Paul wrote in capitals, so that's interesting. Um, The other thing is just that thing of pass it on to the church at Laodicea. Just made me think that they read it once, just handed it on, and we've spent months on it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should have just given it a cursory glance. Yeah. (laughs) Then read the sweepstakes and horoscopes. Very good point, Rod. <laughs> Thank you for that. They couldn't photocopy it and keep one, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, later, yeah, did have, yeah, they had to hand it on within a certain time or they'll get bad luck for seven years, yeah. <laughs> it was the first chain letter. <laughs> Um, going back a slide, uh, I, I've spent, if we can go back a slide, um, I've spent um, ages studying this stuff and, um, and, and spent a lot of time in the, um, we can't go back a slide. Alex, can we go back a slide? Thanks, man. Um, forward one, back one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, there. Um, <coughs> Oh, it's just, it's just evident to me how, um, how hard the them, us, and me thing is, how hard it is to actually carry a community that's foreign to you with you in your mind as you read this. I still, even though I know how subversive it is to address wives before husbands and what a statement that would make about how Paul feels about the Roman household code, even though um, I know there's so much subversion in that passage, my gut instinct is still... Offense, like uh, like as a person who's a, very fond of gender equality, my my gut is still offense. It takes it's it's so it takes so much um, hard work, partly because of how many years I was trained to read the Bible in a very different way, as me a letter written to me or God's word to me first. Um, just how difficult this task is to actually carry a community of a completely foreign culture with us wherever we go, whenever we're um, reading scripture. And I don't know, like, yeah, it's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough discipline to, um, to be able to engage with scripture in another way. And I think we just need to be gracious to ourselves as we walk this journey that, um, that you know, um, there's a bit of learning involved and there's hopefully the grace of the Holy Spirit in that process. Um, but just that, yeah, it's a, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult thing to do to not just try and copy and paste it into our own lives immediately. Like, it's such a hard discipline. Yeah. Oh, Emma, Emma. Did you say, can you ask a question? This is not a place for questions, Emma. You can, though. We'll give you one. 
I wondered if anyone knows the original word for submit, um, as in wives submit to your husbands, and the original word for love, as in husbands love your wives, um, in the Greek, I guess, um, and what those words might also be interpreted as in English. Um, because there are different interpretations of the Bible. But I guess what I'm getting at is, are those two words, submit and love, the core meaning of them? Are they, do they have a similar core meaning? Like we get, you know, I might get, <laughs> this mightn't be a very popular thing to say, but I think a lot of, a lot of us get caught up on the submit bit, wives submit to your husbands. But then after that it says, husbands love your wives. To me, personally, I'm a, I'm a woman, I could be wrong, but being a woman, um, I, I don't know, those two words just say something very similar to me. Like, I don't, I, I feel like in this modern society, I should be getting offended by that, because that's like a, a general kind of perspective on that verse, but I don't. Really? Like, I just feel like they're saying something similar to me. Like at the core, like there's this heart of, yeah. So I just wonder, does anyone know what they mean or whatever? Do we have any Greek exegetes here? I am not one. Um, but in the context of Paul's constant um, harping on about submit one to another, um, I think we have to take that within that context. Um, all I would say is that love, husbands love your wives is a much more provocative statement to the, to the Colossians than wives submit to your husbands. Uh, for a husband who's a, a high-status male, um, they, the, idea of, the idea of loving your wife is ridiculous and completely pointless because that's not what wives are for. Wives are for bearing children. And if you're a slave, um, you will have a wife because your slave master told you to breed with that person um, and that wife doesn't submit to her husband. She submits to the slave master or the head of the household. So we've got to be really careful about imprinting our nuclear family (laughs) status onto this ancient text because the way the rules work, just (laughs) there's not a one-for-one equivalence. Um, But in saying that, the, the idea of husbands being commanded to love their wives in Christ is incredibly provocative but because we live in a society where loving your wife is the norm and expected um, it doesn't jump out to us Mm. any further commentary before we wrap up oh yes this is an actual wave yeah so now whenever you raise your hand now you have to say my name as well just so I don't get tricked Um, just moving on to the slaves one I just thought also in the context it came to my mind that um yes we don't have slaves i hope but sometimes people say i'm a slave to my work so i just thought often people say you know we do have earthly masters in our work and i mean i don't have this problem because i love my work but um some people might prefer to to use that context to then change their attitude about their work that um you know, it shouldn't be something that you're slaving away, but there is rewards for if you have a positive attitude about it. So that's I'm just sort of switching the slaves term to, you know, us as slaves or workers, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, right. Cool, cool. Um, we're out of time. So in wrapping up, uh, I was wondering if there's a couple of people in our community who would like just maybe like to say a prayer in the light of Colossians to close. Um it doesn't have to be a show-off prayer, um, just something genuine and from the heart would be nice. But would anyone like to pray for our community in light of um, what we've read today? Thanks, Wookie. Yeah, Dear God, uh, thank you for... I don't know, your overarching uh, understanding of everything. Um, I pray that we would not uh, let our arrogance and frustration with text um, get in the way of um, trying to still understand you and fathom 
um, our place in the world and in community. Um, I pray that we would see other people and this ancient text with grace um, and the people that wrote it. And yeah, just uh, be with us as we try. Anyone else? Thanks, Yeah, God, um, thanks that this hasn't felt like a Bible read. Um, it's it's really, for me personally at least, um, made me look at the Bible as being something that has a bit more life in it than I than I felt like it did at the start of all of this. Um, and I just ask that as we um, as we maybe delve a little bit deeper into the Bible in our own lives and as we talk about it, God, that you just keep prodding us and you'd keep um, injecting injecting life um, into the way that we read and view things and the way that we view one another, God. And just thanks that we live in a country and a city that we can come and talk about all of this and nobody's going to set a bomb off or whatever in, in our community. We are so phenomenally lucky. Father, I I ask that um, you continue to transform us, loving mother, that in the midst of our context that we wouldn't forget the radical nature of putting the crucified God in the center of ourselves. Paul railed against all of these groups trying to shut each other out and claim superiority. And I just pray that you'd teach us to be gracious and vulnerable and kind to each other, that um, rather than spending our energy creating in and out groups, that uh, we would spend our energy holding you at the center and, um, and letting you transform us. Continue to guide us in your wisdom and your love, in your loving name. Amen.